Hello, everyone. It's Monday, April the 17th, and I am uh, excited to have a dear friend of mine and colleague, a long-term friend of mine, joining us here in a little bit uh, from uh, Alaska, all the way from Alaska. Isn't technology fantastic? But I uh, want to just do a couple quick ministry updates and then uh, look at a passage of Scripture first before we bring on Mark. Uh, first of all, those of you that have been following our ministry, uh, you know that uh, beginning the first of this year, we brought on my daughter, Brooke, as our operations manager full-time. And uh, well, today, April 17th, is her birthday. So uh, she doesn't know I'm going to do this, and she'll probably get mad at me. But if you guys uh, think about it, go to our website. You can click on the Our Staff page and, and see her email address there. Or if you've corresponded with us, chances are you've uh, heard from her because she responds to most of the emails. But anyway, shoot her an email. Uh, tell her happy birthday and how much you appreciate her. She is a huge blessing to Not By Works Ministry. So it's just Brooke at notbyworks.org. Brooke is B-R-O-O-K-E. But yeah, I want to bless her today by wishing her a happy birthday. Uh, lots of recent podcasts over the last a week, so I won't take the time to go back and review those. We reviewed those, I think, on Friday. Uh, but unbelievable material there about uh, Chat GPT and World Events Update with Randy and several other things. Uh, and we've got another full week ahead. Uh, looking forward to having Randy back on on Wednesday. And uh, tomorrow night is our weekly prophecy night. If you're in the Denver metro area, come out and join us at Plum Creek Chapel in Sedalia. Uh, we're going to be talking, it'll be our 12th installment in this series, talking about uh, setting the stage demonically. What is happening in the demonic realm, the evil spirit realm, that uh, seems to be setting the stage for the final cosmic battle between God and Satan at the end of the tribulation and, and indeed throughout the tribulation? Certainly things are heating up, so we'll spend several weeks probably talking about all of the things related to the spiritual realm and spiritual warfare and things that are happening all around us uh, on earth. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we're just excited about what God is doing. We did have some technical difficulties yesterday. I want to uh, apologize for, for the first time in a long time, we weren't able to live stream. Uh, you know, the devil hates uh, Plum Creek Chapel. I just got to tell you, because we are growing, we're preaching the gospel, we're seeing people come to faith. Uh, we baptized 11 people in the last few months and more on the list already. Uh, by the way, we're, we're waiting on our baptistry to get put in. We, we had to use a neighboring church uh, a few months ago when we did a baptism service, so we are putting in a baptistry. And would you believe uh, the Baptist baptistry got lost in shipment. So kind of ironic there. There's some kind of spiritual uh, analogy there. I don't know how a baptistry can get lost, but now it needs to get saved or found anyway. But anyway, uh, once that's installed, we've got a whole list of people ready to be baptized. But uh, the devil just doesn't like it when you're preaching grace and, and taking a stand for truth and sounding the alarm in these great last days of deception. So apologize for the technical difficulties yesterday. It happened at the last minute, so we really weren't even able to put up a banner or anything, but I did have Brooke send an email out to the uh, several thousand people on our list. So if you're on our list, hopefully you were alerted to that. Uh, but we do have the audio posted, and that's been posted for a few hours now, so you can at least listen to the podcast. We did record the video, and we are posting that, but we're having trouble with Rumble today. For some reason, it's taking forever uh, for the video to uh, process. We've actually deleted it and started over, thinking maybe there was some glitch, but it's still taking forever. And sometimes Rumble does that, uh, we've noticed. Not often, but occasionally it takes uh, longer than usual to get it processed. But hopefully uh, soon we will have the video available. But appreciate your patience there. Uh, but today I want us to take a look again at the signs of the times. You know, we talk a lot about that. And I want to take just a moment to set the stage from Matthew chapter 16, uh, and the first four verses, let me read it, and then I'll just give you some thoughts before I bring on my good friend Mark. Uh, Matthew tells us, Then the Pharisees and Sadducees came, and testing him, asked that he would show them a sign from heaven. Now, it's interesting that Pharisees and Sadducees there, there's only one article before it indicating they're kind of a team effort here. They were acting together, which is a little bit surprising because, of course, they disagreed on a lot theologically, but when it came to their rejection of the Messiah— Jesus Christ, God's Son and our Savior, they were in lockstep, and that's what we see in this particular interaction. And uh, so they came testing him, and Jesus answered and said to them, when it is evening, you say, it'll be fair weather, for the sky is red, and in the morning, 
you say, implied, you say, it will be foul weather today for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern uh, the signs of the times. So, you know, Jesus is basically saying, you don't need a special sign because, you know, I've already given you many miracles and all kinds of things throughout my earthly ministry, uh, and you won't accept it. Uh, and so, in the same way that, you know, you're able to look at the weather, look at the sky and kind of identify the weather, you're not able to look at what's happening right in your very midst. You know, he's given them signs. You know, John the Baptist was a sign. John the Baptist's ministry uh, was a, a sign. Um, they should have known from Daniel's 70 weeks prophecy, the 490-year prophecy in Daniel, that this was a significant time. And yet, they were hard-hearted and and didn't uh, see it. So he goes on to say, a wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. No sign shall be given to you except the sign of the prophet Jonah, which he had earlier given them in Matthew's account. It's back in chapter 12. And basically he's saying, you know, that's it. He's saying, you know, my deliverance from the grave, which is coming up, he's clearly alluded to that. And the closer he gets to uh, the final week of his life that led to Calvary, the more explicit he gets in his predictions of his death and resurrection. But even Daniel, the prophet, had predicted uh, that he would that the Messiah would be cut off. So they should have known, but the sign of Jonah, which he had already given them, was essentially that you know his deliverance from the grave, just in the same way that Jonah was delivered from the belly of the great fish, would prove his claims. That's all you need. And so, uh, you know, in the same way that the Pharisees and Sadducees failed to acknowledge the signs of the times. They, you know, they were just ignorant and willfully ignorant. I think many people today, including many believers, are unwilling or unable to see what's happening before our very eyes. And we don't want to make the same mistake that that first century generation uh, did. And as I've explained uh, many times in many contexts over the last several years, especially in the, the Spirit of the Antichrist books, Volume 1 and 2, you'd have to be living in a cave to not see how the stage is being set for the soon coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It is everywhere. So uh, I want to bring on uh, Mark here, who I've known for many years. We've uh, collaborated together in a variety of ministry contexts. In fact, uh, my book, What Lies Ahead, is actually co-authored uh, by uh, Mark. Uh, all the heretical parts are what he wrote, <laughs> and then uh, and then the good stuff is what I wrote. No, no, we were we worked together on that, and it's uh, we're seeing, uh, thankfully, a great uptick in, in, in sales of that book, even though it's been out for a few years. It's used in a few Bible colleges as an eschatology text, and it's a, a comprehensive overview of biblical eschatology. It's called What Lies Ahead. Uh, but I've had the chance to work with Mark, share the platform with him. Uh, I've been, been invited out to his church to, to speak. Uh, but Mark hails from Alaska, and, uh, you know, Winnie and I love Alaska. We've had many, many trips there over the years, four or five to southeastern Alaska. We spent five weeks on Kodiak Island. We've been to the Kenai a couple times, and then uh, more recently up to Wasilla, which is where Mark is from. But I can't tell you how much I value his friendship, and I've been trying to get him on for quite some time, but he's the busiest guy on the planet with his uh, church that is exploding up there. Uh, Mark has also got a ministry uh, similar to Not By Works called Return to the Word. You can go to returntotheword.com and sign up for his podcast and just stay in touch with what God's doing through that ministry. But Mark, uh, welcome to the Not By Works uh, podcast. JB, I want to thank you so much, brother, for just having me on. And, you know, I've been a huge fan of Not By Works and just not even so much not by works, but you personally, you've been a mentor to me in the past, a friend, um, just a colleague, and and we have enjoyed your family so much, and we've enjoyed your scholarship, and just learned and grow, grew in my faith so many times through your ministry. So thank so, you, brother. So let me, me ask you, is it my stunning good looks or my quick wit that really is most... Uh... Uh, you know, it's your your wife is a wonderful blessing to you. <laughs> Amen to that. <laughs> Let me tell you, praise God for Wendy. <laughs> yeah, you, know, you, you definitely have a, a radio face. So no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, just, that's what they tell me. <laughs> that's what they say. Yeah, but uh, no, thank you very much for having us on. It's a blessing, an honor, and a privilege to be with you and your audience today. 
So tell me a little bit about uh, kind of your your neck of the woods. Uh, you know, how are you uh, promoting and advancing the gospel message up there in uh, in Wasilla? Uh, and uh, and by the way, I hear you can you can see Russia from there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. Well, not not from where I'm at, but we actually do live about a mile from Sarah Palin. Um, but yeah, that's another story. That that is just another story. So you yeah. Know, I find Alaska to be um, an interesting place for Christians just because uh, when my wife and I moved up here, we moved up here about 10 years ago just because of some of the things I'm sure we're going to be talking about with the globalists and all this kind of stuff, the the, could come, the coming um, dictatorship and move towards the government of the Antichrist, which we're probably pretty much already living under. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, we moved up here for that reason, but I was surprised at the theological mindset up here um, and how much grace was not being taught. I was surprised by that. And I was surprised by the secular influence of the West Coast that is ever present in Alaska. So um, we've been up here for about 10 years, just teaching grace and teaching God's message. And, you know, there is that spiritual remnant that we talk about, right? That is oh, yeah. always, yeah, that, that is finding the truth, finding the truth of the word of God and and is awake, like your devotion from Matthew, that is awake and looking um, just for somebody that, that can make sense of what's going on right now. Yeah, a mutual a colleague of ours, uh, Mike Stoutard, who I know is going to be making the trip up there later this year for a conference uh, hosted by your church. Uh, he said uh, not too long ago, I've quoted him often, I think I quoted this quote in volume two of Spirit of the Antichrist, the last thing the world needs is more sleepy Christians. And I couldn't agree more. You know, uh, the time is short. Um I understand we're not all going to agree on all of the details of how things may play out. Uh, as uh, my uh, colleague Randy and I talk about on our weekly world events update, you know, all we can do is basically take current events and geopolitical events, uh, run them through the scripture, and then do our best to interpret how that might be setting the stage uh, for uh, the end times. But uh, I want to talk a little bit more before we get into some of the uh, some of the signs of the times about Alaska. Uh, and I'm sure you got you Alaskans get tired of people kind of fixating on Alaska because uh, but, you know. But I'm allowed to because I'm a I'm an You're Alaskan. Allowed at, to. You're I'm allowed an Alaskan to. at heart. We've we've tried to move up there for years, uh, you know, before the Lord led us uh, to Colorado about seven years ago, and this and then we built our office here, and this is this is where we're planted out here in the tall timbers of uh, the Colorado Rockies, and it's a wonderful place as well. But we just could never work it out. We couldn't find a way to make a living up there uh, because, uh, you know, a lot of our ministry depends upon travel and being able to speak across the country. And it's very cost uh, prohibitive to be traveling from a remote place like Alaska. But uh, so, you know, we're kind of jealous, I guess is what I'm saying, because you get to live up there. And from a preparedness standpoint, uh, it seems like in some ways, Alaska might be better suited for some type of uh, end of the world as we know it scenario or economic collapse or this kind of thing. And yet in other ways, you're a little bit remote and therefore might not have the supply chain that you might need. So t talk to us a little bit about why you uh, you know, feel like Alaska is a good, good place, uh, given what you know about the world. Well, you know, Alaska is my my family and I, as you know, JB, but just for your audience, we um, we came from the Midwest and coming from the Midwest, we had a variety of experiences. Our older children, we were homeschooling um, and I remember getting stopped by a sheriff deputy in a Walmart parking lot once. And he, he his words, he said, why are your children not in government school? <laughs> and I, I came home that day and I said, Angie, and that's actually before that conference in, in where we infamously ate at IHOP in Phoenix um, and till late hours of the night talking about where are we going to go to get away from this coming disaster, which was decades ago. But um, we came to Alaska, but Alaska, you know, if anybody's thinking about moving up here just to get away, there are real considerations that you have to think about the blessings of Alaska is that there is so much more land and that you can seemingly get away. Um, the, the cold climate is a reality. The cold climate is definitely a, re a reality. Uh, the supply chain is definitely a reality. You know, a few years ago, we had that um, big earthquake and, you know, that, that 
gave us a little bit of a glimpse, a little bit of a taste. So you have to be prepared. You can't walk into this blind. Um, there are two types of people in Alaska that that are basically up here. There's the type that if everything comes true that we hope doesn't <laughs> in the days ahead, that will be just fine. There are places and there are ways to survive. Um, and you have to really have the knowledge base to do it. There's other people that just think moving to Alaska will protect them and it will not. Um, the, the, the climate is just that much different. It really is. And it can be a very dark, isolated place. Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, you've got the climate concern, uh, but and you've got, you know, the natural disasters, the isolation. But at the same time, you can live off the land. Like you said, I like the way you said it. If you know what you're doing or if you're prepared or if you, yep. you know, you, then then it can be great. So you've got plenty of wildlife. You can, uh, you know, I've seen some of the moose up there. Moose, yeah. mooses, meese. What is it? Moose, mooses? It's, it's moose. And moose. I, yes, okay. yes. But they're you get you get more annoyed with them once you live here. So oh, yeah. I'm, I know. Yeah, and yeah. moose moose kill more people than bears do up there. They, they do. We, yeah, yeah, we yeah yeah they do absolutely. So yeah. Um, but you know, I know a lot of people up here that have lived here all their life. That if if everything falls apart in the world, um, they're going to be just fine. They're going to yeah. be just oh, fine yeah. because there's yeah. plenty of moose. It is harder to grow things up here, so you really have to have a knowledge base of what um, you can grow your cool weather crops, uh, things like peas, stuff like that. Warmer weather crops, you're gonna have to have a greenhouse like corn, stuff like that, tomatoes. You're not gonna just be able to grow that outside, even though the, we have longer summers than you might have, but you're not gonna be able to grow that kind of food up here. Yeah, no question. And uh, and what I think is cool too, and and uh, you know, I've seen this in all all parts of Alaska, is uh, you know, unless you're really inland, obviously, but most of places around the coast, you're right off the ocean. So, you know, you could get away if you had to, you'd have to have the right vessel. But I remember in one of our trips to uh Juneau, we've been there, you know, several times. In fact, we named our dog Juno after the capital of, of Alaska. And even though it's not technically an island city. It's a, it's de facto an island city because you cannot only get there by plane or boat. Um, and, uh, you know, everybody there, even millionaires, even people that we interacted with that were come from a long line of money, they have these old beat up, rusted out 1975, you know, Toyotas for cars, but they have these, you know, huge, enormous yachts. And uh, it's, you know, a boat is more of something that at least in that city people tended to value more highly but you know it's just pretty cool to me to think that you know one option is to hop on the boat and you can you know go out skirt the coast and, and come in into some pretty remote areas yes you can of, of the state right yeah you can you can bug out pretty fast there's no doubt about that i would say about half our church has planes um mm -hmm. in fact I was at a committee meeting for our building and grounds about a month ago and everybody was walking in. All the guys that were walking in had grease all over them. And I said, <laughs> I heard one guy talk moaning because he was working on his plane. I said, how many of you guys is working on his plane this afternoon? And every one of them raised their hands. Yeah. I think, you know, so I'd say about half the people in our church have planes. I have a boat. I, I don't have a huge boat, um, but I could I could get where i need to go yeah you can get pretty remote pretty fast yeah i remember uh one of our trips up there uh like you said a lot of people have planes too and a guy took me out uh a good friend they've since moved back to the lower 48 and we've interacted with them a couple times in fact we did a conference at their church last year uh, down in new mexico but dear friends but uh he took me up in his plane and flew you know, all over kind of into even Canadian airspace just briefly. And, but uh, I found out after the fact that he had had multiple uh, crashes and that yeah. you know, he, he was flying one of those planes that have the huge wheels where you can pretty much put them down anywhere on a shoreline. If you got enough. Tund runway. Yeah. Tundra tires. Yeah. yeah Tundra tires. tires. Yeah. Yeah. And so he was watching the whole time while we were flying out, you know, his window, just always keeping in mind, what if, and he kept, he keeps a supply bag in his plane in case he gets stranded on some remote, um, you know, strip or Island out there. And I mean, I'm talking remote and, yeah. uh, and of course he always carries a, a sidearm and, and probably something else in the plane as well, in case he comes across a grizzly. But anyway, just fun to kind of think about, 
life in Alaska. I'm sure, well, I know this as a fact that it's it's often more romanticized than than reality in some cases, but beautiful place. And I appreciate you indulging me to kind of reflect on those memories. You know very well, because we we were really talking about it quite a bit years ago when we were seriously looking to yep. come up there. I think even before you moved up there, yep. both of us did a lot of research and were really interested in Alaska. So it's kind of fun to reminisce about that, but hopefully we'll get back there Again, hopefully back to Pioneer Baptist again. Yeah, we we I'll put it on record on the podcast. We want to invite you back. We just need to set the date and get you up here. Praise God. Would love to do that. So so, uh, so lots going on in the world. And I know, uh, you know, you may you know, you know, you do try to keep your finger on the pulse of things prophetically and how the stage might be set. Uh, obviously, being not in the lower 48, you know, there are going to be some things that catch our attention that are more, you know, sort of urgent that maybe, you know, you just kind of yawn at because it's like, oh, there they go fighting again, this and that. There's quite a bit of an independent mindset in Absolutely. most of Alaska. I think Anchorage is not unlike a lot of major metropolitan cities down here, but a lot of the people that you're going to interact with, and especially your church there, um, are going to be more independent-minded people. But what, as you as you look at the big picture, uh, what are some things that have caught your eye in terms of setting the stage for the beginning of the fulfillment of Bible prophecy? Great question. I can I just jump back to what you're just saying a little yeah. bit. It's um, one of the things, reasons why we did move up here is we knew that moving to Alaska was at least 10 years behind. It was at mm-hmm. least 10 years behind. The things we saw in the Midwest, now we're starting to see up here, and we moved up here 10 years ago. So things like facial recognition, all that kind of stuff, just starting to slowly creep its way in into Alaska. So it, that's mm-hmm. kind of sad to see, but I'm, I'm still glad to be 10 years behind, but yeah, I do kind of keep an eye, and I actually would say, JB, that it is an exciting time to be a Christian. Um, I think if Christians are fully aware, like you were mentioning in, in your devotion, if they're fully awake and understanding what is happening prophetically about how that stage is being set, we're blessed to be able to, I mean, nobody wants to see what's happening in our country. Nobody wants to see what's happening in the global stage right now, and the global elites just coming together to build this global government. Nobody wants to see that. Um, so that's sad. And it's it, the perversion that's that's prevalent, that's scary to witness. Um, all those things are scary to witness. So it's not that I'm rejoicing in sin. But when I start to see that stage being ever so delicately set for the rise of the Antichrist and for just how we are, as your books are aptly named, Spirit of the Antichrist, it's alive and present in this world. And so you know, and it's kind of um, almost cliche, but when we start talking about global government, how can anybody not see it coming? Right. How can <laughs> how can anybody not? And 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 of course, for those that would be new to this subject, we have to go back to the ten horns of Daniel seven and Revelation thirteen that that global government is going to be formed. European Union is just a a, a test case of it for them. Really, it's just a pattern for them. Um, and, and look at the African union, look at them, look at them get going. So, um, and, and I think, you know, so a lot of, um, Christians say, will turn on the news and say, well, I don't, I don't really understand why we're allowing millions of illegal immigrants across the border. Well, this is why this yeah. is why <laughs> yeah. it's all part of nothing happens by accident. It's all, uh, all controlled, but uh, I want to, I want to go back in a moment to your reference to the 10 nation uh, Confederacy. Uh, but I, but first I want to reiterate what you said, and I'm so glad you said it because we don't say it nearly enough though, though we certainly try to. And that is that as a believer and someone who understands the Bible, and understands God's plan of the ages, these things that we see unfolding should never discourage us. They should not scare us. Fear is not of the Lord. God has not given us a spirit of the fear. Of fear. They should prompt us to be prepared, to steel ourselves and be ready for what's coming if the Lord's re- return doesn't happen soon. But at the, the macro level, it should thrill us to no end, because we see the you know Bible prophecy unfolding before our very eyes, and we know the end of the story. It's kind of like watching a movie where 
you know, you're seeing the the underdog getting get beat up and, you know, persecuted and all these unfair things are happening and your heart goes out to him. But towards the end of the movie and usually there's a change in the music, you can begin to see this hero is kind of rising to the scene and, and you keep hoping and you're sitting on the edge of your seat thinking, oh, it's going to get better. Maybe he's going to come back. And so, yeah, it does have to you know, get worse before it gets better. But it, it, you know, when you understand where it's all headed, which is Christ is going to come back and make all things new and rule in perfect peace and righteousness and judgment, it, it's it's an exciting time. You know, I think often about my grandfather, who was a very passionate man about Bible prophecy or, or other Bible teachers that have already gone home to be with the Lord and how they would have loved to have been alive Absolutely. at this time. So you're right. There's this juxtaposition between the human reality of the, the heartache, the tragedy, the persecution, all the sin, moral degradation that we see all around us. And yet from a spiritual perspective, we recognize that our citizenship is in heaven from yeah. which we eagerly await the Savior. So, um, but go back it to built, that 10-nation confederacy. What, what uh, any guesses... Uh, how, I know a lot can change because we don't know the Lord's timetable, but any guesses right now how that is p- taking shape geopolitically? Yeah, it's, you know, it, they, they shift and we don't always know what the globalists are going to do with their plans. But you certainly see a South American Union. You see a North American Union. You see an African Union. I mean, that's already standing, going and, and thriving. Um, then, you know, the North um, North American, as I said, the European Union. You, you see these different blocks, the Russian block, you see the, the Chinese block, those Middle East blocks. So it's, it's coming together and you can see, well, Mr. Mr. Blinken, our, our, our <laughs> Secretary of State, um, he apparently last October was talking in, to the president of Mexico about this and the president mm-hmm. of Mexico, do you remember the quote? Um, I don't remember it off the top of my head, but I remember it happening and it was, I talked about it at the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, The president of Mexico said, I think here's his quote. He said, Mr. Blinken spoke about consolidating the region of North America, and we agree on that. We're in favor of the entire American continent. And then he cited the first um, European Union as that was the model. And he goes, that's what we want. Oh, amazing. Yeah. And so they're telegraphing it in, 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 in plain sight. Now, obviously, to make that happen, they've got to destroy America first, because America, there are too many people in America that enjoy our national sovereignty, Absolutely. such as it is, uh, but they still enjoy it. And they're certainly not going to cede it without a fight. So I believe uh, one of the next things that we're going to see, uh, and probably very soon is some type of uh, unfreezing event that really hurdles America and the United States of America into a time of unprecedented chaos and devastation. I think it could be economic, especially yeah. with the, the rise of the digital currency. I think it could be a natural disaster, whether real or fake, or, I mean, real or, uh, you know, manufactured. I think it could be military, who knows, but uh, do you think before they can really consolidate the North American Union, they're going oh, yeah. to shut down the- America? Yeah, and they're and they're doing it now. I mean, I, I I think that the United States will exist in some aspect, kind of like France does, but really they're a part of the the European Union. Mm-hmm. Um, our name may still be there, but for all the, the United States that we grew up, and in some ways, JB, I think that the '80s hurt us, where we blended Christianity with the patriotic movement, um, because I think some Christians now are having a hard time separating the two. Oh, and, no doubt. And so they're kind of getting a knee jerk reaction when someone like yourself or myself talks about this, that we're, we're sitting here saying, hey, this is not the country you grew up in anymore. Um, you know, and we're seeing little things like this with World Health Organization. You know, we're we're one step away from turning over our rights for the for the next quote unquote, you know, I use quotes, right? Pandemic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah 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 um you know and and how many people jb do you know that died not from the pandemic but from those shots oh know? no question thousands and if the harvard yeah. study is right it's hundreds of thousands maybe millions right. actually it could be as many as 34 million but yeah so i and by the way i talk about that very thing in chapter uh seven of spirit of the antichrist volume two uh, the fact that God's fingerprints are on the founding of America, but so are Satan's. And yeah. we've got to break free from this American exceptionalism that somehow Absolutely. thinks 
that we are the new Israel or we're God's you know chosen nation. Look, I'm so thankful to be an American. I know you are too. We're proud of our country. Uh, yep. It does have a great heritage of uh, Bible-believing uh, people. Uh, but right now, it is being literally dismantled day after day by a Luciferian cabal that is serving at the behest of Satan, trying to usher in a one-world system. They, they have already, I mean, they have the educate, the government mandatory compulsory education. They already have that. Uh, the, the education system um, is, is, is gone. You know, it's already controlled by the United Nations with UNESCO. Um, look at, look at even our world heritage sites. You know, my wife, as you know, we were down um, with a mutual friend doing the Grand Canyon float mm -hmm. um, this last year. And you can't help but notice that the Grand Canyon is a world heritage site from oh, the no, United no. Nations. You know, not, not something we're proud of in the United States, not one of our sites, but it has to be a global citizen type site, you know. Um, but you touched on it earlier, JB, that Fed now, that's a global oh, yeah. movement. Yep. That is a global movement. Yeah, the Fed now is, uh, we've talked a lot about it. I've spoken in several uh, conferences about uh, the coming digital currency and how that relates to the global tyranny. Uh, but here, that's going to be rolled out this summer, and it is really the backbone uh, of of a of a technological system that will allow for instant transactionalism, which then makes these uh, central bank digital currencies, you know, able to be used. Uh, and you know, I by the way, I've got I just have to say this. This was something I just uh, came across here recently. But um, the the uh, Christian uh, financial advisor. Uh, Financial Peace University. What's that guy's name? Uh, Dave Ramsey. Yeah, Dave Ramsey. Sorry, I just drew a blank. I'm getting old. Um, <laughs> you are getting but, old. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. You have the gift of encouragement. By the way, I, I was going to say, when you said you moved to Alaska and it's 10 years behind, I'm sitting here thinking, uh, you look 10 years older, my friend. But anyway, uh, I'm I just do. kidding. Our uh, book came out 10 years ago. I was thinking about that. Has it that. been that long? It wow. has been 10 years, yeah. Wow. Well, it is still just as prescient today as ever. It what is. lies ahead uh, biblical overview of the end times. But uh, yeah, Dave Ramsey came out uh, recently, and he, it's getting quite a bit of attention, uh, and, and and thankfully quite a bit of criticism, in complete support of the digital currencies and central bank digital currencies, and saying that you know anybody who's out there worried about it is overblowing it. And I, I just believe uh, he's a shill. <laughs> in fact, it was I funny. I, I was listening to it, to the interview, and I said to my wife, I said, he's just a shill. And like two minutes later, he goes, now, a lot of people are going to say I'm just a shill. <laughs> so I, I, I hate to, you know, to to use such a, you know, uh, you know, pejorative label. But it, it seems to me that's the case, because any thinking person that understands where we're headed biblically toward a one world economy Have should rightly be concerned about a technological mechanism that will be able to track every human being on the planet, and you will not be able to buy or sell without having this mechanism. Does that sound familiar? It does. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Well, and and if and if you don't think there's an uptick on this, let's just take the Fed now, just for off to the side for just a second. If you don't think there's an uptick on this, in May of 2020, only 35 countries in the in the globe were considering some sort of digital currency. Right now, there's 114 countries. Wow. Wow. 114. Yeah. And so three, three years, if my math still holds. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No. Um, yeah. Well, we were a product of public schooling. So who's yes. to say, right? But that's the um, old math, right? Yeah. So that's we're okay. the, yeah. So we're still okay. Two plus two yeah. still equal to four when we were in school. Yeah. Um, no, I, yeah, I think that the 114 nations, that's the thing is they're going to get the low hanging fruit. I mean, they've already got a number of nations that already use a, a digital tracking system, India, sure. China, so, sure. and others. So, you know, this is for some people, it's just going to be a matter of degree shifting from a national ID system to a global ID system. And, as I've said many times, don't forget, it's not the, the, the CBDC, the central bank digital currency is not about a transactional monetary system. It is about That's global right. tracking Absolutely. Uh, in the same way that the vaccines were also not about rescuing us from a bad cold, but rather, uh, you know, creating a vaccine passport as a dry run for people to be able to get into restaurants, to be able to travel, you know, all kinds of things. So, um, so I think it's never about what it's about. 
And I'm glad you brought up the whole, you know, digital currency thing, because that to me is one of the big signs of the time. So we're talking here with Mark Fontecchio, dear friend and colleague from returntotheword.com, returntotheword.com, also pastor at Pioneer Baptist Church in Wasilla, Alaska. Known him for many, many years. Um, I didn't do the math, but it's got to be getting close to 20 years now. Long time. uh, and uh, we've worked together in a variety of contexts. We collaborated on our book, uh, What Lies Ahead, A Biblical Overview of the End Times, which we co-authored. A great book on uh, really a biblical uh, framework for you know why we believe there's a future for national Israel, why we believe the rapture is going to happen before the 70th week of Daniel, and what it, you know is going to happen during the tribulation period. Uh, lots in there about the Antichrist. So uh, highly recommend uh, that. Uh, and uh, so, Mark, uh, you know, you you talked about digital currency. What else do you see, kind of on the horizon, or even already upon us, that gets your attention? Yeah, can you just allow me to say one more thing about the um, digital currency before we move on, if that's okay? Um, just, you know, you take those 114 nations and with the digital currencies, that represents globally 95% of the global GDP. Wow. And, and so, population, probably a, a vast majority of population. Vast, vast, well. vast yeah. majority. So that that's just to me, again, but it's exciting to see scripture coming true i mean the technologies are putting in place you know that setting that stage for prophecy i don't know if you've talked um much on your podcast recently about this this artificial intelligence and i'm not sure exactly where you've come down i don't really necessarily believe it's artificial intelligence um i believe it's algorithms and uh but i certainly believe it's a it's a it's a part of the global scheme to control people yeah, we've talked. We've talked. Let me interrupt. We've talked about it extensively, and our listeners uh, know that we have, uh, uh, you know, really a, a technology top-level expert that's been on twice now, including including most recently uh, one week ago today, April the tenth, and okay. he's talked extensively about it uh, and, and the whole concept of artificial general intelligence, which we have not reached, and frankly, never will reach. They will be able to right. mimic it and come pretty close, but only God can create life ex nihilo, and yep. so, but Satan. Uh, that's what the whole transhumanist movement's about, is trying to create life, thereby marginalizing God's highest pinnacle of creation, mankind, making it out to be nothing special, and instead they, you know, they've created it. But, uh, but yeah, go ahead, talk talk some more about AI. Yeah, do you don't you see them, JB, pushing this right now quite a bit? I mean, did you hear Klaus Schwab's uh, quote on this, where he said, "Our life in ten years from now will be completely different, very much affected." And who masters those technologies in some way will be the masters of the world. Oh, yeah. I mean, and that, and his little chilling. sidekick, Yuval Noah Harari, has said multiple things along those lines, how most human beings are completely unnecessary and redundant. We just don't need this many people because, you know, we can we can do everything uh, from the lab. He did go. He did at least allow that we he, in his mind, we need a few human beings to serve as lab rats in the laboratories to get data from them. But as far as functionality, we don't need them. And uh, of course, this is the same guy who said that, you know, uh, we don't need Christianity to create God. A couple of guys in lab coats yeah. can create God in a laboratory. So, yeah, no, they're 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 definitely it's all over the place. I agree. They're pushing it. Uh, I go back and forth between uh, I mean, it's a it's a serious uh real threat. No question about Absolutely. it. I, there was one recently where they put I think it was 24 A.I. Uh, bots in the same uh, system and and what they did was just striking and scary and so uh, we you know we hear all kinds of uh, horror stories about AI I in my book I have a whole chapter on that I quote uh, Google's version of chat GPT which is lambda uh, the Google engineer that uh, I, I include most of the transcript in, in there between him and and one of the AIs in which he claims he went sentient. And it is, it'll chill you to the bone. Uh, I think that's chapter two or three of, of volume two. Uh, and by the way, if folks uh, haven't checked those out, they can go to spiritoftheantichrist.org, spiritoftheantichrist.org, and you can read the whole table of contents and see this, the subheadings of each chapter of what, what we talk about. But I, I go back and forth between, is this, I mean, it is happening faster than we believe, as my colleague Shane said a week ago. But I think to some extent, it's also an attempt on the powers that be to sort of normalize it, put it out there in the mainstream thought and make us become accustomed to it. 
because I don't know about you, I get emails every day unsolicited trying to get me to buy AI technology to, to write content for the website or to do yep. ads. So I think they're they're trying to get us comfortable with AI, don't you? Yeah, definitely. They're trying to condition us to it. And But then when you come into this aspect, I think it also ties back into control just because um, like if you look just popular, well, not so popular, but Bing, their search engine, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So with Bing, I mean, they've integrated it already. A lesser known one that some people were turning to to get away from Google and all that was Neva. They turned to AI already um, on some of this. So as you see that, um, you're going to start in people that have these smart speakers. I don't know why anybody would have one of those in their house, but that's another issue. Um, but as people are turning to these these web searches, you're going to start seeing less and less web results. So, for example, if I was looking for not by works ministry, now I'm going to get if I go on to Bing, I'm going to get some garbage return, whatever that chat is going to say. Those are programmed. Those are programmed. It's another way, you know, just as we look at TV and all those advertisements, you know, all the the drug companies pushing their drugs and all that kind of stuff, that advertisement, you know, brainwashing America. Well, that's what this artificial intelligence is going to be doing. Yeah. You're not going to want to click click on things anymore. You're just going to want to get the 30 second answer from chat GPT or whatever you're using. Yeah, I mean, the, the net result is the same, but the technology is different. Uh, before uh, this AI technology, they, they would do shadow banning and they would do the algorithms, like you're saying, so that if you did one search on, say, Brave and another search on Google, you're going to get different results, even though you, most people don't know that. But right. what's different now is with these large language model you know, systems is on the front end, they're uh, conditioning it with you know, giving it parameters and bias is, is what they call it. So that it's not so much that it's, you know, blocking certain results like they can, like they've always been able to do. Uh, it's actually just conditioned on the front end to ignore things like, you know, not by works or whatever. So it's a little bit different. It's a little bit more, uh, you know, real time and interactive and, um, it's it's just a little bit more complex, but uh, you know I, I commented recently at one of my uh, conferences where I was talking about uh, CBDC about how they they asked uh, one of the prompts that someone gave Chat GPT was to write a joke about Jesus, and it did. Uh, and then it said, write a joke about Muhammad. And it said, oh, I can't do that because we, it would be offensive yeah. to people yeah, over faith. So, you know, it's that's that's an example of how they are, as you said, control. That's the key yeah. word. They're going to control the narrative by excluding truth and elevating lies. Yep, absolutely. They are. And and so your certain search results just won't even show up, you know, and and let's face it, America's lazy. So if if people get that, they get conditioned to get the 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 artificial, quote unquote, intelligence answer. They're not going to go digging around looking in Web pages like they used to. Yeah. Um, in many ways, in regards to the, you know, the whole Internet uh, age was a dry run for this AI, because as you well know, you know, they've they're always several decades ahead of us in terms of what's available through DARPA sure. and behind the scenes in the military sure. and then what they roll out to the mainstream public. So they got us conditioned on things like Wikipedia and quick internet searches. And now they've kind of got us, got the hook in the jaw. So now it's just a simple matter of controlling what we, what information we actually have access to. Yeah. You know, we were talking about Alaska before, and I think one of the things that scares me um, living up here, this is kind of shifting gears a little bit, but it's amazing how much um, we, the federal government is is really doubling down up here with their defense department budgets and how much they're taking control. And now the global tracking, even in Alaska, is starting to get um, how many satellites. I mean, you can go on, there's different websites. You can go on I mean, I can be, I, you know this about me, but I like to go out way out in the woods and I like to go backpacking with my family. I can, I can use my Garmin to get a signal. I can actually get a satellite signal on my cell phone now. I can, Starlink is out there. I can use Starlink. I mean, everything, even in remote Alaska, 
everything's being tracked. And, and for you, that's very remote because you guys like to take, you know, a couple months off each summer and do some really remote uh, uh, tent camping and hiking and stuff. And I know because there've been times when I've tried to reach you and it's like, I ain't going to reach you for two months, you know? So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we, we go hundreds of miles away from yeah. any, and in, in fact, we carry like when we're out there, we care well that over my shoulders, uh, defib and we carry all full medical kits because yeah. we're two, two days from a hospital, yeah. you know, yeah. you know? And, um, so when we're out there, but you can't find a toilet, you can't find anything like that, but they can sure track you, you know? So. Yeah, I mean, uh, by the way, a, a defibrillator is a great resource to have. We have one as well. Uh, yeah. And as Randy and I have been talking about, it should be, you know, really, I know they're expensive, but if you can afford it and prioritize it, it's definitely something uh, to have. So talking about uh, all this stuff that you see kind of evolving in Alaska, why do you think that is? Do you think that that region of the world is going to play a key role in sort of whatever military action happens. Cause I kind of get the sense that, I mean, it's just a matter of time before, before China and Russia, either both in a line in an alliance or one or the other literally begin to, to, to strike our homeland. And seems like that would, might be a good place to start. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I don't, you know, I'm not a military expert or anything like that, but I, I would say that I, I do think a ground war in Alaska would be very brutal, but I know they're just because of the permafrost and the mountains and the mosquitoes and the bears and the moose and all, you know, all those, the, the permafrost, especially you can get pretty bogged down. So I don't think you'll ever see a traditional um, war inland Alaska, but the coastal regions you could. Mm -hmm. um, I definitely in the cold. Well, we'll look at it in World War II. I mean, some of the islands were attacked. So um, I when we first moved up here, one of my biggest hopes was that the uh, United States government would kind of just um, abandon Alaska, <laughs> leave <laughs> us alone. That was my hope. Um, yeah. But in the 10 years that we've been up here, we've seen nothing but and, and uh, people that have lived up here a long time will tell you this exact same thing that Alaska is becoming very federalized. Um, the, the federal government, the BLM Bureau of Land Management is, is, you know, taking up more land. There's, there's more, more, um, more of the state is being controlled and, and the defense department is just off the, off the charts here. Yeah. They're um, everywhere up there. And, uh, and, and I, I wasn't necessarily thinking in terms of a ground war, but I know, as you said, back in World War II, take Kodiak Island, for example, that was a key outpost in sure. World War II. And there could be other strategic places where they could put, you know, service to air, air missile batteries or, sure. I mean, there already are uh, missile silos there. So Absolutely. I don't know. I just, I, there's a lot, a lot of moving parts right now that indicate you know, they know something we don't. Uh, and yeah, Alaska is not the only state that would love to secede. I mean, Oregon right now, a lot of the conservatives in Oregon are loving, would love to carve out Portland and but frankly, toss it into the sea. No offense to people who live in Portland, but then again, if you <laughs> live in Portland, why do you live in Portland? I mean, come on. Yeah. But, uh, but, and there are other states that are thinking about the same thing. California has talked about that and so forth. So, um, so, so we talked a little bit about economy uh, we've talked a little bit about, uh, you know, geopolitical alignments, especially with, uh, the, the, you know, the Daniel uh, 7 passage and the 10 nation confederacy and so forth. But what do you see in terms of Ezekiel 38 and 39? Do you see anything happening? Uh, well, that's exciting. There? Yeah, yeah that's exciting. I was going to say, because I sure do. I do. I sure do, too. Yeah. Um, Ezekiel 38 and 39, that's uh, the, the battle of Gog and Magog, just for anybody that doesn't know. Um, and in our timing, in our understanding, which we pretty much to steal your joke, we agree with Jesus, right? Amen. Um, yeah. That it's that it's after the rapture. Um yeah. that it's not before the rapture, like has been popularized in some of the fiction books and stuff like that. Um, but boy, are we setting the stage for that now? I don't think even most Christians in the United States realize that Israel um shares a border with with Syria. I don't think most people know that. Um, and, you know, you start to see Russia is the Ukrainian war directly tied to, you know, Gog and Magog, not directly, you know, but you do see Putin certainly uh, moving and, and down in, in Syria right now. And um, we know that from Ezekiel 38, five and six, that um, 
that battle of Gog and Magog is going to include Southern Russia. We know that from scripture. So if we already know that, we start to see that Northern Alliance that's going to come against Israel. That's going to include places like Persia, right? Which is Iran um, and Syria. So we know, and, and as we've said many times, we know this is still uh, a future prophecy because it's never been, these countries have never come against Israel in history. So we know it's unfulfilled prophecy. Together. Boy, yeah, 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 together. Yeah, yeah, together, united. Yeah. Um, but boy, are they setting that stage right now for it. And so the, just on the news today, I heard some military action. You know, even our forces were involved in Syria, um, which kind of violates the Constitution, but we won't necessarily go there. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, Randy and I have been talking about this, and, and I have too. I, I finished uh, not too many weeks ago, uh, a couple months ago, maybe a lengthy two-year series uh, called What Lies Ahead that loosely followed our book, but it was, you know, it was a kind of a slow, methodical uh, walk through Bible prophecy, and we we camped out on Gog and Magog quite a bit there as well. But, you know, the key nations that are mentioned there in Ezekiel 38, 5, and 6 are Iran, Sudan, yeah. Libya, Turkey, and as you said, Syria. So, you know, Gog is the leader of the land of Magog, which is Russia. I mean, right. I think there's virtually universal agreement on that. So you've got Russia aligning with Iran, Syria, Turkey, and that's exactly what's happening now. Turkey essentially is has has at least philosophically left NATO. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen there, why we don't just kick them out, but they have essentially stated they want to destroy Israel and they want to align with Iran and Russia to do so. I mean, that is straight out of the pages of Scripture. So I know there have been other times in history when there have seemed, uh, you know, to be a setting of the stage, you know, from Ezekiel 38 and 39, but never to this degree with this many players uh, on the stage, you know, they're all there. They are all there and you can just see the, you know, stage being set for it. So it's again, it's exciting to to see not that we want war and we certainly love Israel um, and we, you know, are a defender of Israel. But, um, you know, we, we we do see that stage being set. So and, and what I worry about is Israel, you know, t t one of two things could happen either. Iran and some of these Ezekiel 38 and 39 type alliances could launch against Israel, which they've been threatening to do, Correct. or yep. Israel, because of their uh, you know, national intelligence and intelligence sources and stuff, could feel the need to do a preemptive strike against Iran because they know what's coming. Either yeah. way, when those things happen, if either of those things happen, America will be compelled to get involved militarily because Israel is our ally. And once we get involved, then that's going to potentially trigger World War III. China and Russia will come to Iran's defense and Syria's defense, and it's just a powder keg. So, uh, you know, for those who who may not be as as well versed in the whole biblical understanding of Gog and Magog. When Mark mentioned that we believe it's going to happen after the rapture, but before the start of the tribulation, there are different views on that. You know, the Bible doesn't explicitly tell us in a in a thus saith the Lord sort of way when this battle will take place. It's definitely eschatological. It definitely relates to the end times and the future um, attacks on Israel leading up to the return of Christ to rescue Israel and usher them back into their homeland where he will rule and reign for a thousand years. Um, I know uh, some excellent Bible scholars suggest that it could happen potentially during a portion of the seven-year tribulation. Uh, you know, I won't die on this hill. I know Mark won't either, but we really yeah. believe in the, in, the, in the view that we take in our uh, book is that it's going to happen after the rapture, but prior to the rise of the Antichrist and the signing of the peace treaty. And uh, so when we talk about the stage being set and all of these nations sort of aligning, especially Turkey, I mean, aligning with Russia and Iran, it's just beyond me. Uh, when we talk about that to us, that just could be signaling that that battle is closer. And if that battle is closer, that means the rapture has to be even closer. So we're just Amen. excited that it could mean, you know, any day we're going to meet the Lord in the air. Yeah, you stole my words about Turkey. I'm not even sure why with NATO, why why that continues. But that's the blindness of the nations, right? That is the blindness of the nations. Blindness, right or I would say controlled. 
I mean, I, I think agree. That, I think there's a Luciferian uh, elite that really are pulling the strings, and Absolutely. I think on you know on most levels it's a blindness because not everybody involved in national politics at different different countries is in on it, but at the top tier level, you know the the people are you know controlled. Like I was having a discussion with someone recently about you know Biden and how they commented that you know he may he you know I hope he doesn't make a mistake and, and push the button, you know, proverbially speaking. And and my comment was, you know, Biden, nor any president in the last several decades, by the way, isn't the one that's going to push the button. They, it may be their no. finger, but they don't have control. There is a no. Luciferian elite that control Washington, and these presidents are puppets that will do what they're told. Now, there's different ways to make them do what they're told. In some cases, they're blackmailed or controlled, or sometimes they're assassinated and they put their person in uh in place uh so it's not it's not as simplistic as i may make it sound but the fact of the matter is it's not like any one president republican or democrat can stand up to the luciferians and make a difference i'm sorry to inform you of that and and every once in a while they'll slip and you hear a comment that yeah. from from a president you know, I think it was Bush Jr. that said it, you know, that when you get in, you really don't have as much control as you think. Absolutely. Yeah. You no, know? There's a yeah. there's no question about it. And of course, you know, the president is the highest office in the land. And, and there are certain things that uh, it's it's not a monolithic, tightly controlled Luciferian conspiracy. So there are certain things that he can do or she, if we ever have a female president, that you know, might go off script, uh, but starting a nuclear war, I just don't think is one of I them. No. I just don't think they would be. No, but I think I do. That. I do think the possibility exists because there's there's certainly a lot of noise about the China thing going on and the Ukrainian Russia alliances, and so there's there's some scary alliances that are definitely out there, and they do have power. So oh, we yeah. shouldn't be we shouldn't be blinded to that neither. You know if we could shift gears a bit, JB, yeah. I know, I know a lot of Christians are kind of um, probably discouraged by the perversion we see in our day. Um, I mean, we're even seeing it up here. We're seeing Drake. I mean, in Wasilla, Alaska, we're seeing drag shows. I mean, it's, it's oh. just everywhere. And if you don't think there's a conspiracy, well, then why do we see drag shows everywhere? Um, and that perversion, you know, I think a lot about Luke 17, 26, and that says, and as it, was in the days of Noah, so it will also be in the days of the Son of Man. And so what is Jesus really saying? Well, he's saying just before the return of Christ, you know, it's going to it's going to be like the days of Noah. And certainly we would say that, you know, worse in the tribulation, of course, but but leading up to even the rapture, it's going to get bad. And so, yes, we're going to be taken out of the way. Um, Matthew 25, Daniel 9, 1 Thessalonians 1, 10, all that. But Remember, what does Genesis 6, 5 say? In Noah's day, the Lord saw that wickedness of man was great in the earth, and every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Um, drag shows being shoved down our kids' throats, gender confusion, mutilation of the bodies, just absolute perversion, absolute yeah. perversion. If you have your kid in a government school, get them out. Do whatever yeah. you got to do, but get them out of there. Yeah, I, I talk about in chapter 13 of uh, volume two of Spirit of the Antichrist, the spirit of perversion. And, um, you know, and, and, and it's interesting that you bring up Genesis six and uh, the days of Noah. I'm, uh, Tuesday night, tomorrow night, as we get into uh, setting the stage demonically, I'm going to camp out there and really walk through that whole passage about the Nephilim and the uh, attempts of Satan to m mess with the gene pool and, you know, go to Jude and Second Peter and some of the cross-references. And it really was uh, the reason God brought judgment on those fallen angels who Absolutely. left their proper domain and, and imprisoned them permanently awaiting uh, the eternal torment uh, in Tartarus uh, is because of a sexual sin. And, you know, that's, that's the ultimate level of uh, of perversion, so clearly we see that on the rise all around us. I call us uh, the they call this the gender surrender movement, where yeah. Satan, you know, artificial intelligence does not have gender, uh, and so 
you know, Satan has to marginalize gender and get us comfortable with thinking, you know, that gender is not an absolute and you can flip flop, you know, back and forth, be whatever you want, choose what you want. You have these thousands of different genders, not literally thousands, but certainly dozens. Uh, I remember at one time Facebook, when it, it gave you the option to choose your gender, had literally two or three dozen options there that you could you know, could pick from in your profile. So I think Satan is really targeting gender because it's a direct, you know, full assault on the image of God and man. Genesis 1, 26 and 27, God created man male and female. So uh, I think it's all part of this uh, just utter depravity that to me has has really reached a point that you just have to wonder how much longer God can can wait before he comes back. That, that, that is absolutely true. And it's just, it's every category, just the confusion, you know, with first it was marriage and you and I were, would certainly say, we don't let the government define our marriage. Anyways, we go to the biblical source, the, the God who gave us the gift of marriage. Right. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So we would, we would go with that, but I think it's a time where churches need to wake up. Churches need to, to protect themselves, to protect themselves from being forced to do. Uh, I know we're doing that at our church right now. We've already put in a policy in place that, where we, you know, what we believe on that, because we're not going to perform gay marriage, you know, mm-hmm. we're not going to do these things. It's not that we hate anybody or anything, but we believe the Bible. We believe the word of God. We believe what it says. So, um, and, and it's amazing how much this world is just going, jumping off this cliff right now. So, yeah. but again, it's, it, we can either just be downtrodden about it. We can just be discouraged or we can say, re, I rejoice. This actually establishes my faith. Because I look at scripture and I say, God said this is all going to happen. No God question. said this. So yeah. praise God. And, and praise God, there's men like you. And not to just puff up your head, JB, but please, praise God. <laughs> no, please go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> and so if you're listening, JB and I are, are actually seeing each other on the video screen right now as we record this. And so his head literally just exploded. So um, <laughs> no, but you know, it, it, it is, but to, to sound the call and we all need to sound the call and, and help Christians realize what we're going through, that this is a part of what scripture said would come. And so yeah. this isn't a strange thing. You know, um, Peter talked about, don't think it's a strange thing when fiery trials come upon you. I think about this in regard to this. Don't think it's strange that perversion, global IDs, wars, rumors of wars, you know, this, this guy named Jesus said this was going to all happen. So. Yeah. And you can, and just to clarify, as, as we kind of wrap up here, and I'm glad you kind of brought us back to where we started, which is the, you know, how this is, you know, something that should, should draw us closer to the Lord and, and, and really uh, strengthen our faith, not cause us to be, you know, paralyzed by fear. Um, you know, you can be simultaneously disgusted, concerned, about everything that's happening and yet recognize that this is part of a bigger plan. And, and we don't say that in, in a way that should imply that we just sit back and take it and just wait, move to a mountaintop and wait for the Lord Jesus to come rescue us from this present evil age, Galatians 1, 4. But no, what we're saying is you continue to fight. We don't know when the Lord's going to come back. He may or may not come back, you know, soon. And so until he comes back, we're going to fight. We're going to do the spiritual warfare. We're going to try to take a stand against some of this moral collapse that we see happening around us. We're going to protest, fight, make our voice heard, do what we can, obviously in a peaceful way. Uh, But I'm just saying we're not, don't, don't misjudge our excitement about how this fits into Bible prophecy right. with somehow resigning ourselves to accepting all of this. We, we should not accept it, but neither should we fear it and think somehow it contravenes God's sovereignty. God is still on the throne. He's yeah. laughing up there at how at these global elites who think they can throw off his cords and his shackles of control and he because he knows that someday the the, the son of god who's sitting at his right hand right now is going to come back and take the throne of david well and i think that's where theology comes back home is because um i think when people get into kingdom now theology that's where you could really get discouraged mm-hmm. and so it, it is the we can walk and chew gum at the same time. We can be disgusted, <laughs> as you said, and we can and, and we can take the appropriate steps and stand for Jesus Christ as much as we can in these days. But at the same time, we shouldn't just be so despondent that we look around and say, like Eeyore, woe is me, you know, woe is me, woe is me. Um, 
it's an exciting time in yeah. some ways. It is exciting actually to see scripture starting to get just, and, and, and I don't think we should be careful to say, I don't think we're saying all at like Gog and Magog's being fulfilled. We're not saying that we're saying the stage is being set, you know? Yeah. So just, to, just to be careful with that. Yeah. And, and, and as we wrap up, I want you to, uh, to share the gospel with our listeners, because there is an urgency to the hour too, that we must never forget that, um, Obviously, there's an urgency every day, regardless of eschatology, because James says we're not promised tomorrow, life is but a vapor. But in terms of God's plan of the ages, as we see things you know, shaping up for the return of the Lord, there's an urgency now for people to hear and believe the gospel. So tell our listeners how they can know for sure they'll have eternal life. Well, you know, the thing about eternal life is it is eternal. So there's nothing you got to do about it, right? You just don't have to sit there and try to earn it. You don't have to try. It's receiving the grace of God, saving faith. It's the classic statement you use all the time, JB. Saving faith is the belief in Jesus Christ, the son of God, who who died and rose again to pay our personal penalty for sin. And whosoever uh, trusts in him alone for that has eternal life and, and yep. praise God. Amen. Praise God. Not by works. You know, a lot of people that are new to our ministry over the last two or three years may uh, not have caught on that the, the whole <laughs> purpose of our ministry is based on Titus 3, 5, which says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. So, you know, NBW Ministries stands for not by works ministries. You can't earn it. You can't be good enough. You can't commend yourself to a holy God. It's a free gift paid for by the blood of Jesus. Uh, and he offers it freely to anyone who will trust in him. So, Mark, thanks so much for taking your time. We definitely have to do this again. Uh, and, uh, you know, anytime that you uh, you hear of something or come across something that you think is uh, urgent or timely or relevant, you've got an open invitation to come back. Just give me a call. And I'm so thankful that we live in a time when even though you're in Alaska and I'm here yeah. in the Colorado Rockies, we can be uh, we can connect instantly in real time have a conversation and uh, and then pass that on to our to our listeners. So any closing thoughts, Mark? Well, I just want to thank you for indulging me and having me on today. It's been an honor again to minister with you and uh, just a good personal friend. So um, just thank you for that. And, you know, I think for Christians out there, um, I think, you know, be prepared, take some practical steps and then grow in grace. Find a good if you're no matter where you're at, look for a good Bible believing grace teaching church. If the doctrine's not great, plug into JB's ministry, listen to his doctrine, turn into his ministry and, and get fed there and surround yourself with Christians and just be sensitive to the times we're living in. Excellent. Well said. So the, the websites that we have referenced uh, today on the program, returntotheword.com, that's Mark Fontecchio's uh, website uh, and ministry. I encourage you to bookmark that, check that out, subscribe to his uh, newsletters and things. Spiritoftheantichrist.org is where you can find out more about uh, my two-volume set uh, that talk about the gathering cloud of deception. And by the way, I, I chose that subtitle, uh, with Matthew 16 in mind, where Jesus said, as we talked about at the outset of today's program, that you know we know we know how to discern the weather by looking at the sky, but we, we can't discern the signs of the times sometimes. Um, uh, you mentioned being prepared and your closing remarks. I want to encourage folks. Uh, we have recently posted uh, our 12-page preparedness guide uh, that is just kind of what we've put together over the years, my family and I, uh, that gives you some great suggestions, things to think about, a supply list, uh, resources. Um, we have gotten literally well over a thousand requests for that in the last couple of years alone. And so we finally went ahead and posted that at our website. So it's more easily accessible. So if you go to notbyworks.org and uh, look at the highlight carousel, if you kind of advance about seven or eight uh, panels in uh, rotating through those uh, highlighted uh, announcements and resources, you'll see a link to that preparedness uh, document. So now it's sort of self 
uh, service. You can you can grab it anytime. It's free. Pass it along to others. Certainly, there are no there's no shortage of great books and and large books and volumes of material out there on preparedness. This is essentially just a small primer, uh, but every little bit helps, and and, and it does kind of go through some of those things that maybe you haven't thought about uh, because preparedness is the key. So uh, that's available for you. Thanks again, Mark, so much. We'll definitely do this again. Tell the family hello and our good friends there at uh, Pioneer Baptist and Wasilla. Hello. And yeah, let's get something on the calendar to come back up there. Love, love Alaska. All right. Thank you, JB, so All much. Right. Thanks. God bless. Yep. You